Crypto Watch is presented by theconstantinvestor.com. I'm Alan Kohler, and every day my writing and podcasts put the financial world into context with a focus on the issues that matter. Join us today. It's only a dollar for the first month. And now it's time for this week's Crypto Watch. Today's crypto current, I'm delighted to say, is Roger Ver, who uh, was born in California, but he became a citizen of St. Kitts and Nevis. Um, and now lives in Tokyo, where he runs a site called Bitcoin.com, which he uh, which he acquired in 2014. But he was a very early uh, advocate of Bitcoin way back in 2011. Started investing then. You know, obviously made a fair bit of money. But now he sold most of his bitcoins, as he, as he explains in the interview, and is now entirely focused on Bitcoin Cash, which he thinks is the true. Um, successor, the, the true um, product of uh, the inventor of Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto. Um, but there's been a civil war in Bitcoin, and uh, in Bitcoin, and Roger Ver is on the Bitcoin Cash side. But he's um, one of the uh, leading lights in uh, cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin, in particular, around the world. In fact, he's known as Bitcoin Jesus. Here's Roger Ver of Bitcoin.com. Well, Roger, uh, you seem to be known as the Bitcoin Jesus. Um, what's that about? Um, well, I definitely prefer to be called Roger, but uh, I was the first person in the entire world to start investing in Bitcoin startups and uh, have been uh, involved in Bitcoin full-time almost seven years now and uh, spent pretty much every waking moment over those seven years uh, promoting the use of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general and uh, you know, basically single-handedly funded the entire first generation of Bitcoin uh, startups. So somewhere along the line there, uh, people started calling me Bitcoin Jesus, but uh, I definitely prefer to be called Roger. Um, when you say you started funding up funding the Bitcoin startups, um, do, do, did you start investing in Bitcoin uh, seven years ago as well? Yeah, so I, I bought my first Bitcoin seven years ago because I knew that it had all the characteristics that would make it useful for people as money and make it more useful and more attractive for people to use as money than, than dollars or euros or yen. Um, so the first step was to buy some of those Bitcoins. And then the next step was to help build all the software tools to make them uh, easy for people to actually use. Uh, because back at that time, there were no there were no iPhone or Android apps. There were no web wallets. There wasn't really anything at all but this idea. And uh, But I, I knew that idea was going to catch on. And so I wanted uh, that idea to catch on sooner rather than later. And uh, here we are seven years later, and uh, Bitcoin's become a, a worldwide phenomenon at this point. So I would say that uh, my efforts, uh, at least uh, in part, were, were very successful. Well, indeed, and you were, you were correct, um, it has to be said, at least so far. Um, but I get the feeling, reading your comments and, and reading about you, uh, that Bitcoin uh, is as much a crusade as it is a uh, commercial venture. Oh, uh, absolutely. So... Uh, I guess I've, I've been a libertarian type person for, for quite a while, but I came to be a libertarian from studying economics books. And the more economics I studied, the more I realized that when governments get involved in the economy and try and set prices or, or you know, erect trade barriers, they're just making the entire world worse off as a result. And so the more free trade and the more you know, free market policies the world has, the faster the rate of economic growth for everybody is, and the faster the rate of economic growth, the higher everybody's standard of living becomes. So even if you just have an additional, you know, half a percent of economic growth per year, if you compound that, you know, decade after decade, century after century, it makes a huge, huge, huge difference. Um, so I, when I heard about Bitcoin, I saw this as a, as a tool to bring more economic freedom to the entire world. And if you bring more economic freedom to the entire world, you've, 
you've increased the rate of economic growth of the entire world, and therefore you've increased everybody in the entire world's uh, uh, standard of living, which means you know better phones and better computers and better healthcare and longer lives and and better everything, but basically a better world for everybody. So uh, of course I had to get involved in promoting this technology that makes a better world for everybody. When I first started, when I first started um, researching for the interview. I thought this guy's an anarchist, but then as time went on, I kind of think and listen to you now, you're more libertarian than anarchist. Well, I, I guess uh, the word that I prefer uh, the most is a voluntarist, and, and basically the idea behind that is that all human interactions should be on a voluntary basis or not at all. And every economic trade with somebody, both parties are better off. When you buy a coffee from Starbucks, you value the coffee more than you value the the, the um the dollars that you're giving them or the euros or whatever part of the world you happen to be in or, or perhaps the Bitcoin that you're paying them at this point. Um, and Starbucks values the money that you're giving them more than the coffee that they're um, giving you. So both parties are richer and both parties are better off after the trade happens. And that's how almost everybody in every aspect of life uh, deals with everybody is on this voluntary basis. And the only exceptions to that are you know, robbers and murderers and rapists. You know, They're not dealing with people on a consensual basis. And, uh, and governments, that's the only exception. And everybody knows that robbers and murderers and rapists are, are bad people. Um, and they know that they're bad people because they're using coercion and, and force and dealing with people on a non-consensual, non-voluntary basis. Yet most people, most of the time, seem to just give governments a pass. And when governments use violence or coercion to deal with other people, they don't see it as violence or coercion. And they just kind of uh, tend to ignore it. But I, I don't believe in those double standards. I think that uh, all human beings have the same natural rights and the uh, it doesn't matter if you work for a government or if you just work for yourself. Uh, you shouldn't be allowed to use uh, aggressive violence against your, your fellow man. So, so to what extent do you think that Bitcoin is now uh, above 18000 US dollars because of the ideology that you're talking about or simply that um, it's a speculative mania, as, our, uh, as Australia's um, central bank governor described it last week? I mean, is it... Is it right? Has it gone up so much because of ideology or because uh, of speculation? So the ideology definitely got Bitcoin from zero to one, but uh, at this point, it's transformed into a bit of a speculative bubble. I, I don't think I disagree with him saying that there's a wild speculative bubble going on. I've been telling people about Bitcoin for for seven years, and and a few people listened to me way back when they were a dollar, and most people didn't. And now, for some reason, that Bitcoin's at an all-time new high price, everybody thinks, oh. I don't want to miss out on this. I better go out and buy it now. And in reality, they should have bought it a number of years ago. Um, and there's a bit of a civil war going on within Bitcoin at this point from just a purely investment point of view. Um, I wouldn't recommend buying Bitcoin Core or the, the Bitcoin with the ticker BTC. Um, maybe it'll go up more. Maybe it'll go up a lot more in the short term. But the economic utility of that version of Bitcoin has been uh, intentionally undermined by a group of developers with that. So I've actually sold most of my uh, Bitcoin core coins and bought more Bitcoin cash coins uh, a couple of months ago. On, on August 1st, Bitcoin actually split into two versions of Bitcoin. And so you have Bitcoin cash where the fees are less than a penny and you can send and receive that money with anyone anywhere in the world instantly, basically for free. And you have Bitcoin core where the fees are you know tens of dollars or sometimes more than $100. And you have no idea when your transaction is going to arrive uh, or, or be received on your end. Uh, so it's it's slow, expensive to use, and unreliable, whereas Bitcoin Cash is fast, cheap to use, and reliable. And so I don't think you have to be a, 
a rocket scientist to figure out which version of Bitcoin is going to be more useful to the world. So do you, do you think, therefore, that Bitcoin Core is not going to last, that it will not only collapse in price at some point, but will become uh, moribund in some way? Um, it's really, really hard to say exactly because there's a bunch of people that are hearing about it on TV and podcasts and YouTube. And I, I saw TMZ, the video tabloid type company, is uh, is talking about Bitcoin in their videos now. So TMZ is reporting on Bitcoin uh I think that there's a bit of a, a mania that's going on that isn't necessarily warranted by the fundamentals at the moment. Um, whereas with Bitcoin Cash, if anything, compared to Bitcoin, I think is, is very, very undervalued because all you have to do is the experiment is you know get get $100 of each and then send Bitcoin Cash from one of your wallets to another and you'll still have $100 there. Whereas if you send Bitcoin Core from one of your wallets to another, you'll only receive maybe $70 at that other wallet and it'll cost you another $30 to to, to, to send it so uh if, if you don't, don't invest in things you don't fully understand so the best way to understand bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general is, is to actually use them so uh get a wallet buy some bounce it around a little bit buy something with it pay a pay a friend for a beer with it uh give it a try and then you'll have a much much better understanding of what this technology is all about well i'm sure most people would have as much trouble understanding bitcoin cash as they would having bitcoin understanding bitcoin core could you uh, could you help them what i mean what what is bitcoin cash actually so uh, in my in my view bitcoin cash is the original bitcoin that was described in the original bitcoin white paper written by satoshi nakamoto and described on the original bitcoin website of bitcoin.org because it enables mo- basically free instant transactions with anyone anywhere in the world instantly and it's impossible for anybody like banks or governments or anybody at all to block you from sending or receiving those payments. It's impossible for anybody at all to freeze your account or control it in any way. Uh, Bitcoin Core used to be that, um, but a bunch of developers got involved with the project who openly say that they want Bitcoin Core to be uh, expensive to use and have unreliable transactions that can be reversed at any point until they're confirmed in a block. Why would they, and, want, uh, why would they want that? Um, so I think a lot of these programmers see the world in a little bit too much of a binary way. So it's true that a Bitcoin transaction that has not been included in, in the next block on the blockchain is not as safe or as reliable as one that has already been included in the next block on the blockchain. And so for their point of view, because it's not as reliable or as safe as one that's already been included in a block, we shouldn't try to make it safe at all in any way, and it should be able to be reversed at any point, at any time, for any reason, up until it's been included in the next block in the blockchain. Whereas a businessman like myself, we understand, okay, it's not as safe as a transaction that's been included in the next block in the blockchain, but we should try to have it be as safe as we possibly can, and it'll be safe enough and good enough and reliable enough for 99.999% of transactions. So uh, that's the basic difference in worldview uh, between these two different groups. and. I think for anybody who wants to use it as payments, it's clear you want it to be as safe and reliable as you possibly can the moment it's broadcast to the network. And you understand that it's not as ironclad as it will be once it's included in the next block. But you can make it plenty good enough for you know all sorts of transactions of very, very large amounts, um, to be honest. So, uh, But these developers don't seem to see it that same way. They, they seem to think that it's either, it's either safe or it's not. And if it's not completely 100% ironclad safe, we shouldn't try to make it safe at all. But uh, I think the vast majority of the world realizes that uh, reliability is, is, is a spectrum. It's not either on or off. It, 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 it's a, a spectrum, and we should try to make it as close to being 
safe and reliable as we possibly can, whereas these developers have taken the exact opposite approach of uh, if it's not absolutely perfect, we shouldn't, uh, shouldn't try to have it be safe at all. Um, uh, there was going to be another uh, fork of Bitcoin in November. Why didn't that happen? Lots of people love to complain and, and, and be loud on the internet. And uh, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's fine that the fork didn't happen because now these two different ideological camps within Bitcoin each get the version of Bitcoin uh, that they're after. So myself and uh, Gavin Andreessen, the, the person that Satoshi Nakamoto, the creator of Bitcoin, turned over the project to, are, are in agreement that Bitcoin Cash is the version of Bitcoin that uh, I think in his case, he got involved probably in 2009. I got involved in 2011. And lots and lots of other people along the way think that that's the the Bitcoin that we got involved in. And, and Bitcoin.com is promoting Bitcoin Cash. And uh, a number of other websites, Blockchain.info, the world's most popular uh, Bitcoin wallet in the entire world, is supporting Bitcoin Cash. Uh, BitPay, the world's most popular merchant processor, is supporting Bitcoin Cash. Uh, Coinbase, probably the place where more people have bought their Bitcoin than anywhere else, has announced full support for, for Bitcoin Cash. So uh, all of these businesses that, that want to use Bitcoin as money love Bitcoin Cash. A bunch of people out there on the internet seem to think that Bitcoin Core can just be a store of value even if it doesn't have any other uh, utility. But from my point of view, the only reason it could be used as a store of value is if it has some other use case. So if you look at all the other things around the world that people use as store of values, all of those things have additional use cases. And I can't think of a single example in the entire world where something's used as a store of value but doesn't have additional use cases. Whereas with Bitcoin Core, these people think it'll be used only as a store of value and won't have any uh, any other use cases outside of that. And I think that's really, really, really mistaken. And that's why I've sold the majority of my Bitcoin Core coins to buy more Bitcoin Cash coins. And uh, I invite anybody that's on the fence and isn't sure, uh, download a, a wallet from Bitcoin.com. The Bitcoin.com wallet supports both Bitcoin Core and Bitcoin Cash and get a little bit of each and, and bounce it around from one wallet to another. And it won't take too many bounces at the... Uh, 30 US dollars in fees per transaction on Bitcoin Core and a third of a penny in fees per transaction on Bitcoin Cash. Yeah, it won't take too long before you realize which one of those two versions of Bitcoin is more useful. What about all the other cryptocurrencies? I think that's another confusing factor um, that's uh, making the whole seems the whole area seem um, seem difficult to to grasp. Yeah, I, I think that's the part that's been the most frustrating for me within the the civil war that went on within Bitcoin. Um, Bitcoin used to have basically 100% market share, and there weren't any other cryptocurrencies competing with it. And, and the second place, you know, competing currency had a market cap of less than 1% of what Bitcoin's was. Whereas now, because these other developers managed to get a hold of the Bitcoin network before it split and intentionally make it have high fees and unreliable transactions, people started using all these altcoins. Now we've seen a giant rise of, of altcoins like Ethereum and Monero and, and Dash and Zcash and Zcoin. And you know, there's a thousand and one different altcoins out there. And uh, I apologize to whoever has their favorite altcoin there that I didn't name by name, but there's literally thousands of them at this point. And uh, they have about 50% of the market share combined at this point. And the reason why is because the original version of Bitcoin was was crippled for 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 usefulness in commerce. And when something becomes uh, expensive and unreliable, people seek out alternatives. And that's why we've seen people starting to use all these other altcoins. So my advice as an investor at this point is uh, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Buy, buy a basket of cryptocurrencies. You definitely should own some cryptocurrencies, but don't put all of your eggs into, into Bitcoin Cash. Don't put all of your eggs into any one of these uh, currencies. Buy, buy a basket and uh, 
that's good advice when you're investing in anything. Don't don't put all your eggs in one basket. So uh, hold a hold a, a multitude of of different cryptocurrencies, and uh, there's fantastic tools and wallets out there that help make that easy. But 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 is a basket of um, cryptocurrencies going to survive? I mean, will we end up in five or ten years' time with with a whole lot of cryptocurrencies being uh, the means of transactions? Is that is that even um, remotely possible? I think it is possible, and we, we live in this you know interconnected digital world where everybody can talk to everybody else on the other side of the planet for free. Yet there's still I don't know a hundred different governmental issued monies around the world, and people still have to deal with each other. So and certainly it would be easy if the entire world converged on one one form of currency, and maybe that will happen in the future, but we we don't know for sure. And uh, as an investor, the risk is what if you put all your eggs into the one basket that you think is, is going to be the one that the whole world uses and what happens if you're wrong. Uh, whereas if you had diversified amongst a number of different cryptocurrencies, uh, even if you were wrong with, with nine out of them, uh, nine of them, but you got it right on the 10th one, you'll still do very, very well and have, have a very nice return. But And also there's a lot of um, uh, initial coin offerings where they're effectively crowdfunding uh, rather than alternative transaction methods. Yeah, I think that's a re- another really exciting thing, actually, that's been enabled by the invention of Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrencies. Is suddenly now anybody anywhere in the world can be an investor in any entrepreneur anywhere in the world. So it doesn't matter what country they're in or what passports they have or where they bank at, and and it doesn't really matter uh, for the amount too much. So you can invest uh, as small as maybe you know ten dollars in some of these ICOs, and then you can invest ten million dollars if you have that and want to do that. So it's a a really really uh liberating thing for for venture capital worldwide and all sorts of new amazing businesses are being born out of it and certainly a lot of those businesses will fail and some of the people raising money for what appears to be a new business will will be scammers that are trying to cheat people but uh all in all this is uh unleashing a, a, an amazing amount of economic freedom for people all over the world so uh on that it's, it's a wonderfully powerful tool for for the entire world and, and a great thing that's that's now been enabled. But how secure are these things? I mean, uh, I'm thinking back to 2013 with the Mount Gox collapse, which you, uh, I think, were not involved in, but you kind of watched quite closely. And uh, it seems that during that collapse, a whole lot of Bitcoins were stolen. Uh, And I think some Ethereums, Ethers were stolen recently as well. I mean, uh, I guess money gets stolen all the time. It's just, that's kind of what happens. But I mean, are you are you comfortable that in this world your money is safe? Um, so we hear about people in in Greece. I, I forget the exact amount, but all of a sudden overnight, the Greek uh, government froze every single person in the country's bank account, and I think they took something like thirty five percent of everybody's money in every person's bank account in the entire country. So even having money in a bank isn't uh, isn't necessarily safe. And and you're right, cryptocurrencies are are dangerous. People get hacked and have their funds stolen and. People lose money, so I suppose the same advice uh, applies to how to store your cryptocurrencies as it does to which cryptocurrencies to hold. Um, don't put all your your eggs in one basket when it comes to cryptocurrency wallets. Spread your cryptocurrencies amongst a number of different wallets. So if one of your wallets gets hacked, uh, luckily the rest of your wallets haven't been hacked. And and good advice uh, is always don't let other people hold your cryptocurrencies for you. Hold them yourself. So it's important to distinguish between a crypto coin bank or a Bitcoin bank in which they're holding the Bitcoins on your behalf, or a Bitcoin wallet in which you're holding the Bitcoins uh, yourself on your own device. And uh, it's almost always a much, much better idea to hold your Bitcoins or your cryptocurrency yourself on your own device so that you're not at anybody else's mercy. Um, But be careful. Hackers 
Previously, they loved to steal you know, identities and credit card information and that sort of thing. Now hackers uh, love to steal Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies directly because if they manage to do, do that, they've, they've stolen money, which is what they're after. So be, be very, very careful and spend some time. If you're going to buy you know, $10,000 worth of cryptocurrencies, put, you know, spend $10,000 worth of, uh, of, of time and effort to, to figure out how to secure that or, or whatever it is that, that you think is the appropriate amount that you would want to, to, to secure. Um, don't just go and, you know, post your private keys on Facebook or, or Twitter or something like that, or, or people will, will definitely do their best to, to steal your funds. So your, um, your wallet, bitcoin.com wallet is your core business. Is that right? I mean, and it makes money mainly by taking the clip of transactions. Is that right? So um, you, you had the first part of it right, I guess. So we, we just passed more than a million wallet users on, on our Bitcoin.com wallet. We just launched our wallet maybe four months ago. So that's a, a pretty darn impressive uh, growth rate. We got a really, really late start on Bitcoin.com. We just got started on that maybe two years ago, whereas previously I was playing a venture capital or angel investor role in the Bitcoin space. Um, but uh, we actually make most of our money from advertising on the site. And then we also enable a Bitcoin mining on the site, and you don't actually have to have the machines at home. We have a, a couple of data centers with tens of thousands of these Bitcoin mining computers, and then we can sell fractional ownership or lease lease a hash rate from these Bitcoin mining machines uh, on pool.bitcoin.com. And the sales are just overwhelming. We have like a new order comes in maybe every 10 minutes uh, for, for that. And our biggest problem is that we, we have a hard time keeping enough inventory in stock to sell to people around the world. So, uh, our biggest income are from from the ads and the mining, and then uh, for people that aren't based in the United States, uh, we actually have some some games, so you can play poker, or roulette, or, or, or slots, and that sort of thing on, on Bitcoin.com as well. Yeah, so saw, those are the three main main sources of, of revenue. I saw that. Um, so, uh, how does one go about mining, and what does it cost to use your site to to mine bitcoins or Bitcoin Cash? So you can actually buy uh, any amount of, of hash rate you want. I think the cheapest plan is around 500 US dollars uh, at the moment. I, I'd have to, to double check. Uh, and then basically, uh, I would recommend mining Bitcoin Cash just because the withdrawal fees are so high on Bitcoin Core at this at this point. The, the, the fees to make a Bitcoin Core transaction are tens of dollars. And if you buy a $500 contract, maybe you'll make a, a couple dollars a day with that contract. So if it takes $30 to make a transaction – uh, on Bitcoin Core, but it costs a third of a penny on Bitcoin Cash. I think you'll be better off uh, withdrawing the Bitcoin Cash and using that. But uh, anyhow, all the information is right there at, at pool.bitcoin.com, and it's really, uh, really amazing. We actually have a number of photos of the data center there up there on the webpage, and uh, I've been there in person a, a number of times. And uh, what they told me uh, when I was, you know, going on a tour of the facility, they said, "Don't touch anything, or you could die." Uh, because there's 20, 20 megawatts of power at this one particular location. And I, I took a picture of – there was a sticker on one of these power cables there. And I, I, I think the number it said was 13,480 volts or some just giant number that's a, a lot more than you would see at your, your home electrical outlet. Well, that that's, uh, seems to be becoming a serious issue, the amount of electricity that Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies generally are consuming. You keep hearing about how it's passed – uh, various countries, and you know, soon it'll be um, you know bigger than the United States' consumption of power, or something like that. I mean, is that a concern to you? Um, per- perhaps it will. Although that's, uh, I guess, a bit of a sign of, of Bitcoin success. Um, and the nice part about it, though, too, is that the cheapest electricity that most of these businesses are sourcing are actually from renewable sources. So actually, a hydroelectric power, 
uh, for the most part, is the cheapest power around the world. So most of these Bitcoin mining machines are using hydroelectric power, which which is you know very clearly a renewable uh, energy source. And then uh, geothermal is coming online to to a large extent as well. And then uh, as solar power gets cheaper and cheaper, probably in the next few years, we'll start seeing some uh, solar powered Bitcoin mining farms as well. So um, I don't see it as as that big of a deal because we're replacing all these traditional banks and uh, the electricity and servers and amount power that traditional banking institutions are having to use. So um, I, I don't see it as that big of a, a problem or an issue. Well, well just finally, give, give us a sense, if you wouldn't mind, of how, how you think the financial world is going to look in five years. Um, I think we're going to see more and more people being completely in charge of their own finance and their own investments, and they're going to be using these platforms that aren't controlled by the same sort of uh, centralized institutions that we saw in the past. And uh, the centralized institutions that we have around the world, like your, you know, JP Morgan's and Bank of America and, and uh, whatever's popular in, in Australia and other places, uh, they'll have to pivot to adapt to this new world or, or they'll be replaced. And I think, to be honest, I think most of these businesses will, will pivot and uh, uh, they'll come along for the ride. And the ones that won't will die out. And that's, that's how uh, the free market works. Uh, the resources will be allocated towards the most efficient uses, and and the businesses that that uh, that allocate those resources most efficiently will survive and grow, and the ones that don't will will peter out. And uh, I, I don't think uh, I guess one of my favorite uh, thinkers in the world is a guy named Ray Kurzweil, who wrote uh, The Age of Spiritual Machines, is my favorite book of his, and he points out that uh, everybody that in the short term the changes happen slower than we expect them to happen. But in the long term, they happen much, much, much faster than we expect them to. So we under we underestimate the amount of change in the short term. I'm sorry, we overestimate the the amount of change in the short term, and we underestimate the amount of change in the long term. So, uh, you know, in one or two years, maybe the pace of change will be a little bit slower than we'd like. But in five or ten years, wow, the world is really, really, really going to change. Thanks for talking to us, Roger. It's been great. My my pleasure. Thank you so much. That was Roger Ver of Bitcoin.com. <laughs> 